Hello and welcome to This Is Not A Book Club podcast. Uh, my name is Salim and I'm joined by Jawad. Jawad, do you want to quickly, so we've just recorded episode one, do you want to tell people what is in store for them? Yes, yeah, so in this podcast, in this episode, we spoke about Dan Ariely's book, The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. And we had so much fun discussing this book because there are so many funny and very practical um, studies in the book. So we spoke about that from smashing windows, wearing fake sunglasses. And then in the second part of the episode, we took it a little bit deeper. You went very deep, just just FYI. <laughs> I, and, and, and I really hope you enjoy that. That was my favorite part. So do um, listen till the end of, uh, of the episode. We spoke about the some spiritual stuff, some metaphysical um, aspect of, of the book. And, uh, and you, think, Salim, you think we'll be back for episode two? I think we'll definitely be back by for episode two. And we, we, so we've already we've already picked a book for episode two, which is at the end of the podcast, which means if you want to find out what book we're doing next, you have to listen to the whole podcast, which is great. And um, I think everyone's convinced now. Let's yeah. I think with that, everyone's convinced now that they'll, they'll listen selling to it. the end. I'm yes? selling it, right? Very good. Let's so I think, uh, yeah, let's get on with the episode. And just please remember, this is not a book club. So uh, today's book is The Honest Truth About Dishonesty by Dan Ariely. Um, I think before we start, I'll give a very brief uh, bio of the author. So Dan Ariely is the James B. Duke Professor of Psychology and Behavioral Economics at Duke University and a founding member of the Center of Advanced Hindsight. He does research in behavioral economics on the irrational way people behave described in plain language. After using his knowledge of decision-making and behavioral economics to convince his girlfriend to marry him, Ariely realized that understanding decision-making can help anyone in their daily life. I, I didn't write this, by the way, guys. I, I copied this from a website. Um, finally, uh, irrationally yours, predictably irrational, the upside of irrationality, the honest truth about dishonesty, the movie dishonesty, and the card game irrational game are his attempt to describe his research findings in non-academic terms so that more people will discover the excitement of, of behavioral economics and use some of the insights to enrich their own lives. That felt like a lot I of work. Think, I think you need a clap for that. Well done. Can, can, you, can you ring the bell for me? There we go. <laughs> well done. So the, the bells, I think we haven't actually introduced the bells. The bells are for when someone does something or says something amazing. So yes. that's why I've just received a, a, a bell. Yes, yes. Ring because I feel like you. you really put your heart into, into I just, reading I get really, that. I, I, I get more nervous like reading off a screen than anything. It, it, which is a very good thing to say in the beginning of a podcast about <laughs> reading, about reading. Books. <laughs> it's a, um, But it's okay if you can read, then yeah. anyone can. I think that's a sentence we can that's start That's what we're trying to do, inspire people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of the book itself, can you, in a, in a sentence or two, just kind of provide your take, your overview of, of what this book is? I think we start there and then we'll kind of expand yeah. out more. Yeah, so... I think if I want to say in um, in a few sentences what the book is about, it it can be summed into these two points. First of all, cheating is not exclusive to a few bad people. A lot of people cheat on the right circumstances. And people, the reason um, for people's cheating, the motivation for people's cheating is not that they do a cost-benefit analysis. Like, is it worth, am I going to get caught? Mm. Rather, he says people cheat in the situations where they can do two things at the same time, cheat and also still feel good about themselves, like see themselves as good people. So if they can manage to do these two things at the same time, probably they'll cheat. So that's the, I would say, summary of the book in, in two, three sentences. And in terms of uh, 
key points or key takeaways. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess throughout this process, we'll, we'll be talking about different elements of the book and we'll try and expand where necessary. Yeah. Um, but, but I thought it'd be good to kind of take it in turns and just go through some key points. So mm-hmm. um, on my side, I, th- I think one of the interesting, early on in the book, he talks about the, the fudge factor. Oh, yes. Um, and he talks about the level at which we cheat. So that, that basis of, you know, we cheat enough that we can benefit, but not too much that we can still look at ourselves as good moral people. Yeah. Uh, throughout the book, there's this matrix experiment where he basically gets people to add up numbers in in a sort of like Sudoku like matrix, and the numbers have to add up to the number ten, and they're all like you know nine point four, one point two, or whatever, and you have to find matching pairs, and he incentivizes people by saying you'll get a dollar for every correct answer that you give, mm. um, and after five minutes they have to count up the total, shred their paper, and then go to the examiner and say I got seven right, and they'll receive seven dollars, but you would think that when the incentive was $10 instead of $1, yeah. that the cheating would increase because suddenly I'm not just making $2 extra, I'm making $20 extra if I, if I just say I got two more right. Yeah. But he talks about the, the, the fudge factor and how you might think that people would cheat more because there's this cost-benefit analysis of, of what the benefit yeah. is. But actually, what, what he found was that people actually cheated a little bit less. Or to the same degree, essentially. Yeah. And and he, he changes the parameters and, and does this even internationally as well in different countries. Yeah. The same experiment is like the basis of the foundation of this book. Of the book, yeah. And the level of cheating remains consistent across the board. Yeah. Which yeah. is a, a little bit scary. Yeah, yeah. Because I think everyone likes to look at themselves as honest people. And I remember when I picked up this book the first time to read it, I thought that, It'll be interesting to understand human psychology, but obviously I don't fall into a lot of these these yeah, areas. Of course, not me. <laughs> but but then the examples that he gives are, are so relatable, and you're yeah. just like, wow, okay, this is a bit scary. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and yeah, and we're gonna get even to scarier ones as yeah. we go. But I, I'm glad you started by explaining that experiment because I think that, as you said, forms the basis of, of yeah. everything he talks about. And um, it's very interesting to, to 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 see that he he says this in contrast to an earlier um, view about why people cheat, which, as we said, it's about like people do this cost-benefit analysis. So yeah. he keeps trying to tweak the study to show that no, it doesn't seem like people do that. So, for example, as he said, when he increased the price to ten dollars, well, that should increase the benefit of cheating, but still the cheating remained the same. Or I think he even did without shredding as well. So there was a study in which people wouldn't shred their results. So there was a chance of getting caught higher. Mm-hmm. So the cost was higher. Yeah. And then with shredding as well, in the sense that they would they would be sure they're not going to get caught cheating. But still, that didn't make them cheat more. Yeah. Which is yeah, the yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. thing. So he did two things. He increased the benefit, didn't change the cheating. He reduced the cost, still didn't. Uh, increase the cheating the cheating was always at a quite constant level and he said so it's got nothing to do with that rational thinking that okay um, this is the cost of cheating I might get caught this is the benefit of it and so he keeps trying to prove this and uh, as you said he comes up with the fudge factor which is that Mm. I want to have my cake and eat it too so if I just eat a little bit of my cake um, I I still have it too yeah there's also that uh, story that he tells very early on about I think it's like a museum, uh-huh, the, the uh-huh. museum gift shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says that in the museum gift shop, uh, they they were they were losing money every every month or whatever. The sales would not equal the the amount that was coming in the cash or yeah. whatever. And they suspected one old lady, I don't know why, that worked at the shop. So they they marked the bills and whatever. And then after she had done handling the cash, 
they went to her and said, you know, give us the money. We know you're stealing, whatever. Yeah. Lo and behold, she had some money. But she didn't have the whole amount. Mm, mm. And then they kind of further investigated. And what they realized was that, the, you know, from the gift shop to the next place to the next place, along the chain, everybody was taking just a little bit. Yeah. And so what he was saying here is that, you know, everybody takes a little bit to feel that they're still honest. But, you know, they're just taking a little bit. It's not, it's not a big deal. But yeah. what's interesting as well is that when you think about it, it adds up and, and the kind of social impact or the net impact of it is that a large chunk of money is gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so that's like w when he starts with that. And again, like you, you, you start thinking, OK, this is very plausible. And I'm sure it's a, a real example that he's given, but it's very plausible that this is what's happened. Yeah. But y usually in social situations, you always assume it's just one person who's yeah. bad. But actually the, the, the reality that he's trying to propose is that it's, it's everybody's a little bit bad. Yeah, so we have some people who are cheating a lot, but it's actually the ones who are cheating a little bit that yeah. when combined... Uh, makes the most of 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 the stealing at mm. least in these stories that he shares it was these th small things it's interesting it's uh, i think i think it was in another one of his books that he even uh, tries it himself so he gives a large amount of uh, money to some groups to do um, a study etc and he wanted them to cheat to see what happens and even there he realizes that the people who ch cheated the most and stolen the most amount of money when you compare that to the people who stole a little the little ones in total stole way more mm. so it's it seems that it, it happens a lot and this idea that he says on the right circumstances anyone will end up cheating but only a little cheating that still they can rationalize their yeah, way yeah. out of it there, uh, there was there was another uh, another uh, point that that really kind of um, made me think was he talks about moral reminders of ethical standards, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so this same matrix experiment that we've been discussing, he got um, atheists to swear on the Bible that they wouldn't cheat. Yes, yeah. And although atheists don't believe in the Bible, cheating went down to zero. Yeah. And then you also had, for example, university students. Um, I can't remember which university, but they have like a, an honor code. And they have to go through a whole week of, of honor code training, mm. whatever. So at the beginning of the test, he made them sign. They, the students had to sign to say, we abide by, you know, whatever Boston University's honor code. Yeah. And again, cheating went down. They did the same to students from a university that didn't have an honor code. And their cheating also went down. Similar to the atheists, where like even when they're signing to something they don't agree with or doesn't exist in yeah. their heads, suddenly cheating goes down. And... It got me thinking, I think from like uh, my own perspective, you know, we have Friday sermons, for example, at the mosque. And, yeah. and those are meant to be like very simple reminders. And yeah. it's, it's almost like an anchor towards uh, morals or ethics. And often the reminders are very simple. Yeah. But whilst we think nothing's happening because the guy's just saying the same stuff we've heard for years, actually yeah. just these reminders in themselves yeah. serve as essentially, I don't know, raising our moral standards. I don't know, like maintaining our decency yeah. um, on some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, w which is very interesting that mm. these moral reminders, as you said, even for people who may not even believe in Bible, still yeah. help them cheat less. <laughs> we, and, and I really like the, how um, in many different, for example, religions, they had these mechanisms built into it which now he's scientifically trying to show that actually it may help. So we talked about moral reminders um, but he also talked about the confession uh, that um, 
we know some religious people do. And he said that how after confessing to their sins, when people go for confession, um, they end up cheating less afterwards, which is, again, a very interesting thing that he realized. And he explained it by saying that if people cheat for, for a while, there is... And, and, you know, they as we said, they always try to rationalize their cheating, mm. right? So they're like, no, I'm not really cheating. I'm not, you know, because he said we want to cheat, but at the same time feel good about ourselves. So that's why we use rationalizing to pretend it's not cheating. But if we cheat for a certain while, at some point, apparently there's a switch where the rationalizing doesn't work anymore. And we're like, okay, if I'm not a good person, might as well go all the way. And people's cheating increases. Exponentially, he, so, yeah. Right? So he calls it the "what the hell" effect. Yeah, like, yeah. If yeah. I'm a bad person, what the hell? Might as well. And he even gives some like examples, like if you see a building with like a few broken windows, it's much easier for you to break another one as well. Like it's already broken, if you know what I mean. Mm. So he, but he says when people open a new page, like when, for example, they go to the church and they confess to their sins, I feel like you know what, I'm a clean slate now. From that point onwards, it's like that switch is, you know, turned again. And so they they cheat less, which is very fascinating. It's very fascinating. Yeah, the, the whole, the whole, um, the what the hell effect. The what the hell effect, yeah. I think he also relates that to kind of food as well, right? Where he, he talks about... Oh, yes, yes. He, he talks about if you... Um, let's say you're on a, you're on a diet. Yeah. And, and, then, and then there's also depletion, which I think you can probably talk a little bit more about in a sec. But... He says that, you know, if, if you see like a, a, a cookie or whatever, firstly, there's this element of depletion where every time you walk past it, your willpower muscle is being like stretched. Yeah. But then um, it gets to a point where you're like, I'm just going to have the cookie. And once you have the cookie, you're like, OK, diet's out the window now. I might as well just order KFC and do this yeah. and that. And, and and by the way, I've done a lot of scientific studies on this myself. And oh, really? by scientific like studies. Personal. OK, I get you. <laughs> I, I, that's what I mean. <laughs> You're yeah. a scientist, and you've you've lived it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, like uh, again, when you when you start to read this kind of stuff, and and he talks about you know like when when you're trying to keep up a good habit, for example, yeah, and you slip up once, it's so easy to just exponentially fall off because you're like, oh, you know, I might as well just give up yes, now. Yes, I've, I've, yeah. And and so I think I can't remember because I've I've been reading a lot of this similar stuff at the moment. But I can't remember if he talked about, you know, ensuring that you um, like stay in a habit and and like allow yourself. Yeah, in fact, yeah, he does, because he talks about about the willpower thing. And he says, you know, you you need to every now and then just grab the cookie. Yes. You eat yes, the cookie. Yes. And then keep going, because yeah. every time he, he gives that whole willpower. Yeah. Uh, depletion. Depletion. Thing. Yeah. It's like every time you you say no. You're just straining and straining and straining more until you snap. But you yeah. don't want to get to that point. So given at some point, yes. have a, a little bit and then carry on. Yes. Yeah. W which is actually a very practical point. Yeah. And uh, again, that's one of the things I've seen myself. I think people who've tried to be on a diet, they all must have felt this. The, the what the hell moment. You know exactly when the what the hell moment yeah, is. Yeah. You know, we're like, you know what? I'm going to go bring everything I want. And the the willpower depletion as well. Because one of the things, for example, people see is that when they're near exam, they go back to their old eating habits because the exam is a stressful time. Cognition is really being, you know, there's so much load. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of load on your cognition. So you feel like your willpower is going down. So he says in these cases, um, go and give yourself something. You know, don't let the willpower go completely. Mm -hmm. Go and do something with you. But that would stop you from going crazy and like just. So, yeah. So, and I think I like Dan 
although some people crit, uh, criticize him for going from his studies to like giving these suggestions, but I actually really enjoy them. You yeah, know? I, I think it's a nice thing. And speaking of suggestions, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was reading up some some like different reviews and, and thoughts on the book, and and every one of them seems to mention designer gear or fake designer gear. Oh yeah, gear. it seems like people really like that. That was like a, a very uh, big point. So. Um, Essentially, the, the, the foundation of this is that, you know, through our fashion, through what we wear, we are externally signaling and we're telling the world who we are, what status we are. So, so in olden times, it was actually a form of lying to dress above your station, yeah. uh, which, I, which I found fascinating in itself. Then he decides to, you know, ask the question, does wearing fake gear impact our behavior? Um, and so and, and, and he rather than external signaling, he talks about self signaling. Mm. So like what we're telling ourselves about what ourselves about what we're wearing. Yeah. So what he did was he took fake sunglasses and re- or in fact, he took real sunglasses um, and he gave 50 percent of the people the real sunglasses. He gave 50 percent of the people. What he told them were fake sunglasses, but they were real sunglasses. They were all real. They were all real. Half of them it's fake, half of them he told it's real. Right. And so I, I wrote down the numbers here because I thought this was really interesting. So the people who are wearing real sunglasses on that matrix test that, we, that we've explained earlier, 30% of them uh, were found to be cheating. Or, or they cheated to kind of 30% more than, than what they actually got. The control group, which is no sunglasses, 40%. Fake sunglasses, 75% or 73%. And so I was blown away by that. Yeah, and again, like the fact is, and what 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 kind of hit me a little bit afterwards when I was reading it is that these people thought they were fake. They were real sunglasses. They were so real. It's, not, it's just that they thought it's fake. It, so it, the, the, yeah. the the psychology of it is that deep. We don't even realize. Yeah. And so everyone's takeaway from this book is: do not wear fake sunglasses. Do not wear <laughs> fake anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very interesting, and and I think that goes maybe to to kind of the the. The fact that when you're wearing something fake, yeah. again, we'll talk about the nuances of this. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. get to the nuances. But do you have do you have any embarrassing stories about people that you met and you spoke to <laughs> we'll about this? We'll get to that too. We'll oh, we're going to get to that. We'll get okay, to that. Good. But let's just open the, the study. Like, why would this happen? Because it, it may seem a little bit weird. Why, if I wear, if I think what I'm wearing is fake, yeah. why would that increase my cheating? And the way he explains it is that the main thing, according to him that stops us from cheating is mm. that we want to feel good about ourselves. But when we are wearing something fake and we're pretending to people it's real, yeah. it's like at every moment we are getting an information against the fact that I'm a good person. It's not a cheating that happens once and then I can stay away from it and rationalize it. Because it's happening at every moment, so very soon I get to the what the hell effect. You know, and it becomes increasingly difficult to rationalize it for myself because mm-hmm. it's not like I did it and it's now over. Oh, you know what? I didn't mean it. No, I'm, I keep doing it. So because I keep wearing it, it takes me to a place where I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I am a fake person or something like that. Maybe I, and then so the cheating increases, and that also shows again that it really depends on the the attitude the person has towards mm-hmm. wearing the fake. If someone's wearing a fake and he doesn't care if people know it's fake, it wouldn't have this impact, I think. You know, it only happens if you're wearing a fake but pretending it's the real thing because that's the real cheating. You know, but if you're wearing a fake and you tell everyone, oh, it's fake, there is no cheating there. 
And I feel like in a lot of the reviews, this yeah. is the confusion that people were dealing with. Yeah, but do you think the people in that experiment like, were walking around thinking, oh, I'm a fraud? Yeah, yeah, I think that. No, 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 not that. No, 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 not that you should feel like a fraud. But like, even when it's like, how are you feeling about yourself? Mm. Are you walking like, oh, look at this, for example. I, I don't even know the good um, glasses brands or like sunglasses brands. But if you're walking and, you know, when we're wearing like a nice brand, you're like, oh, look at me. That means you're wearing fake, but you want the signaling of the real thing. Yeah. But many people wear the fake. They don't care about the signaling. They wore the fake. Maybe they went on a trip to a country where they sell only fake things, so they bought one, which takes me to the story. <laughs> Good segue. I like that. Well done. Yeah. I, you know, after reading the book, I thought, you know what? Let me use some of these studies yeah. as a good um, small talk. <laughs> so I'm with a friend. He's like, how are you? I'm like, you know what, let me tell you about the story <laughs> about the impact of wearing fake stuff on your morality. Did you know <laughs> that you're an evil person no, if no. you wear fakes? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, no, Basically is what I, you yeah, said. I told him, do you know when a person wears fake stuff, yeah. their morality goes down in grief? And he was like, dude, I just came back from a holiday and I've bought <laughs> Everything. a whole suitcase <laughs> uh, of, of, of fake stuff. And then, yeah, so now I check with people. By the way, have you been on holiday recently? <laughs> any shopping? Any after? shopping? <laughs> Let's talk about the work now. So, yes. There, there was, there was a, 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 for me, there was one or two more things. Um, one, one point was about the distance from, from money. So, so when, when we, money is, I think, at least the, the sort of common factor, or one of the common uh, consistent things when it comes to cheating that people will cheat for yeah, if that yeah, makes sense yeah yeah and and there's this whole kind of notion that he he puts across in the book that the further we are from the money yeah the the the, the more likely we are to cheat yeah so he gives a very extreme example and, and an experiment that he actually ran and that's what i love that every kind of hypothesis he puts out in this book he will go and do some crazy experiment yeah so he went to university dorms and uh in a fridge he put six cans of coke um, on a on a plate, yeah, uh, one dollar each. All right, the value. And a week later, each one of them was gone. Then he did the same thing, and on a plate, he put six one dollar bills. A week later, everything is there. Yeah, because it's again like the, the concept's very simple. It's very easy for us to take a little bit of benefit here or there, like you know maybe take a pen from work or whatever it might be, yeah, because yeah. it's not taking money. But if there was money there, yeah you'd be a bit more hesitant because it's like you can't lie to yourself about that. You can't rationalize it. You can't, you can't it. rationalize with it. With the coke, you're like, you know what? He may be fine with it. Yeah, he left yeah. it six. Well, probably put it here for us to use anyway. But with money, it's so difficult yeah, yeah, yeah. to rationalize. And then the, the other thing was uh, about social proofing. Oh, yes. So yes. here where, where again, he, he got a vending machine. A friend had a vending machine company or whatever. And he made the vending machine faulty. By the way, in brackets, I love the friends he has. He has amazing he friends. He can do any study the design, he wants. The designer stuff was from a, a designer friend. It's, it's very interesting. It's uh, So sorry I caught you. I no, just I just really, when I was reading that, I just wished I had more friends like that. and that. Anyway. But it's like every, every do you want me to buy you a vending machine? I don't get it. What, what do you want <laughs> I would me? love a vending machine, okay. actually. I would love a vending I think machine. If, if, if if all the, the hundreds of millions of fans of this show want to chip in and buy you a vending machine, we can maybe we can make... even put it here and That'll we can do sponsorship. We for need them. to find a vending machine company that will sponsor the podcast and they just they're there. Um, so, yeah, he uh, social proofing. Sorry. So he, he, he had a friend with a vending machine company. Yes, he's very lucky. We know that. Um, and, and the vending machine, he made it faulty so that when you buy one item, you get 
another one for free. Yeah. Um, but also, if you just enter the code of what you want and press it, something free comes out. Now, there was two interesting findings from this. Number one is that nobody stole more than three. Nobody took more than three items. So they would do it once. They would get two items. Then they would like figure out that it's dodgy, get another one, yeah. do it a third time, and then that's it. They would stop. Yeah. And on top of that, people would also very quickly invite their friends to try the same thing. Yeah. And and again, the point that he made with that is that we need to be able to look at ourselves and feel that we're good moral people. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is if our friends are also doing, doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I found that like. Yeah. Scarily, like when you think about things, when you when you're doing something questionable, or if you're not sure about something, or whatever it might be. Yeah. The second you know that a friend is doing it, or if you like, you might actually nudge a friend in that direction and be like, "Ah, oh, we're all in this together." You know, partner in crime. Yeah, it's all and good. And then it doesn't feel like a crime, which exactly. is very interesting. And then yeah. on, on on the same social element, um, that when he did uh, the matrix test at this one university, I think this one he's he's changed it slightly so that people had to do things within a certain time. Yeah. Um, and basically he had someone from a different university. So wearing like let's say you're at UCL, someone from King's was wearing a King's College London hoodie um, and within like two minutes said, oh, I finished the test. I got all, all 100 right, whatever. Clearly it was... It, cheating. It's clearly cheating. Yeah. You would assume or think that maybe others would be like, oh, actually, we can we can do the same thing. Like, yeah. let's just do that. But actually what happened was that the level of cheating amongst everybody else went down. Yeah. Because they saw this guy as like a as a as a rival or an outsider, we become tribalistic. Yeah. And suddenly we're like, okay, we have moral high standards. These guys are are barbarians. Of yeah. course, of no course. No offense to people who are studying in Kings. I studied in Kings. That's why okay. I use the example. <laughs> fine. Smart, smart. You've been move. to UCL, no? Sorry, no, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like it's instantly, instantly we think that. But whereas when we see it the other way around, I can't remember actually what happened. Do you remember when when it was one From of their, their own? own? They actually increased cheating. Increased cheating. Yes, yes. So when someone on the inside cheats more, again, there's like, oh, our people are doing it. It's okay. Let's do it more. But when an outsider is doing it, it's a massive red flag, and we suddenly become yeah, because noble. the behavior that outside people does is already disgusting. Mm. So if I do it, I would feel bad about myself. So. Yeah. Which is very interesting. And he, at the very least, I think these are so fascinating. And you I can stop the podcast now if you want. <laughs> Just call it a day. This is wicked. <laughs> I think it's very good. And and I really think it's so interesting that if now were people to uh, it, it really goes against our intuition as well. Many of these, mm. like many of them, I didn't know which way the results are going to come out. Like when the outsider does the cheating, I really was on my toes. Yeah. Thinking, which one is it? Are we going to increase? Or... Later on, I can explain why. As soon as he says it, you're like, yeah, of, of course. <laughs> but before that, it's yeah. so good even if someone's like reading the book yeah, yeah. to try and guess the results mm. before it's actually released. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's so many ways that you can have discussions about this book. There are so many places we can go. Any of these can really open up, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit in, in the second section. Yeah. But I think so far we've spoken about many things. So um, just to give a little bit maybe like a structure to what we're talking. So he's saying people cheat when they can cheat and rationalize it for themselves. 
and feel like it's okay. So based on this, then there are some things which makes rationalizing easier. Yeah. So increases cheating, like for example, creativity. It's, it's so interesting. It says creatives cheat more yeah. because their mind is so creative in coming up with explanation why it was okay to cheat. And then, so there are certain things which make rationalization easier and increases cheating and certain things which make rationalization more difficult um, and so decreases it. One ethicist also more likely to cheat? Yes, that's very interesting. Because, uh, again, he, he, his, his explanation of it is that ethicists know every kind of moral foundation and framework and have studied it to such yeah. a length that they can justify any of their actions. Yeah. And I think he said that at one university, the the... Was it the book that went missing the most frequent? Was yeah, like were a, the ethics books. The ethics books. <laughs> they were just never returned. And the interesting thing is, when they did a study of them, they they did not think that is the case. Mm. They thought because they are studying ethics, etc. Yeah, Dan himself was shocked, I think, by the findings, right? Yeah, so, but, but what, uh, even the, any the people who studied ethics, they did not think this is their behavior, but their behavior goes against their ideas, which again shows, which one of the things I loved about this is that talking about ethics does not make you an ethical person. Yeah. Talking about anything doesn't make you that thing. On this, that thing is speaking. But generally I've learned, you can really think that by talking about something, you become good at it. Yeah. Which studies show you don't. In terms of the first half, is there anything else you want to add before we, we move on to, to discussing it? I think we mentioned most of the things. We spoke about how creativity um, increases it, the psychological distance. Should we go through I, our ratings? Yeah. Go on. Should we just mention the, the, the joke? You, oh, have a, you have a joke? Yeah. No, he, he's got a joke about the, how psychological distance um, helps, you, uh, helps you cheat. Go so on. so he says he a son comes home Johnny I think his name is Johnny comes home with a note from school that Johnny today stole his classmate's pencil and so please like deal with him etc his father sees the note from school and he's mad at Johnny he's like Johnny why did you steal a pencil from from school especially knowing that I can get you whatever pencil you want from office I'll bring you 10 pencils right <laughs> I remember this and, and he's saying that you know the idea of bringing a pencil from office doesn't seem like stealing yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally the same thing um, in terms of rating yes I think rating. for all the books that we're doing we want to do readability mm -hmm. practicality and then depth or quality of insight yeah uh, so I'll give my scores for all three and a little bit of reasoning and then you can do yours. Or do you want to go one by one? Let's go one by one. One by one. All Let's right. go one so by read one. A bit. We need like, you know, numbers. Yeah, we'll bring them. Next time we'll do that. We'll Should I ring the bell like the number of times? I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> go for it. All right, so in terms of readability, yeah. um, I found it very easy to read, which was which was good because some of the other books that we, we we're going to go on to talk about were not easy not to read. Not the same. Um, but... I did also find it a little bit repetitive. Okay. So I gave it a seven. He's got a very good style in the way that he, he writes. He writes like he's having a conversation with you. It's very, yeah. uh, you feel like you're talking to Dan, which is very nice. And he, he's, he's very good at that. So yeah. seven out of 10 for me. Seven out of 10. I gave him nine. Yeah. Because I you're just. You're generous. No, I love the way Dan writes. Okay. It's, it's really, it's really not that easy to find that like yeah. funny, funny scientist, you know? And I think Dan is naturally funny. Mm. So I I, re I will give it a nine. Yeah, and the yeah. reason I give it nine and not ten, because I was worried if I give ten, you'll be like, you're just being generous. But you still said that, so now I'm hurt. <laughs> funny mm. enough, practicality, I gave it a ten. 
because that's because, generous. No, it's not because <laughs> most of the examples uh, you can apply to your own situation. So there were a lot of times when I'm reading this, and and it might not be the exact situation that he's presented. Like I've yeah. never walked around with with I, I don't wear fake. I have in the past, but like not again, not like consciously trying to yeah. signal externally something else. But I found it very practical. Yeah. Um, so I gave it a 10 for that. Because, again, like moving on to some of the other stuff we're going to talk about in future episodes, not as practical. Yeah. Interesting. Very deep and interesting, very but deep. not with the everyday yeah. life. Yeah. So it gets a 10 for me. Yeah, for me as well, again, 9. Generous. <laughs> um, yes. Do you go below 9 or is that it? Like just No, 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 wait, wait. Uh, okay, we got, okay. Honestly, I am so conscious of yeah. your bullying when I'm Isn't rating things. Bullying. Yes, it, it's, it's it's This it's, is the first time we've done this. You can't you can't say like it's it's not a trend. <laughs> I haven't bullied you before today. I'm, I, I'm not bullying you now. But I know I'm your personality. Judging. I'm just I, judging I, you. I knew what you're going to do. But okay. anyway, I give it 9 because yeah. I found it very practical too. Yeah. And I had a lot of moments when he's describing something and I'm like, mm. "Oh, I've been in that exact situation." Exactly. Yeah. And had I known this, I would have been in, I would have been able to act better. So because of that, I gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. And there are so many examples from the depletion when you're on a diet to the karma thing, which we forgot to discuss, by the way, this may be a good, you know, when he was like, when you feel uh, wronged, yes, 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 then yes, it yeah. makes it easier for you to cheat. Even yeah. if, you, if someone else wronged you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you find it easier to cheat on yeah. someone else. And, and, and it, the, like, again, a very simple example, like when we were driving in, I almost hit somebody like on the, in the car. Not, yeah. not, they weren't, okay, this sounds really bad. I was driving. They yes, were driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is fine. Everyone was in a car. Everyone was in a car. <laughs> there was no collision. Yeah. Um, but like that person was very aggrieved by my... Uh, yeah. It wasn't reckless driving. I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I almost you know, drove into him. That's fine. Um, but like I, the, the argument is that when you're in that situation and someone's done something stupid, cut you up, whatever, in the car, suddenly when you're, when you're at home and there's like somebody else's last piece of chocolate cake in the fridge... Or whatever it might be, you're more inclined to just take it and be like, you know what, I've had a bad day. Like the work, the universe owes me this. Yeah, you want to get justice, which is your way of rationalizing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 that, like, I've definitely been in that situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, where you're like, you know what, that's it. This is I I, I deserve this now. Yeah. So so yeah. So things like this, yeah. which you can find yourself in them easily, mm. makes me want to give it a nine. Uh, and then the last depth and quality of insight. So uh, I give it a six. Because whilst it's very good in in what he does cover, I do feel like it's just the same point or like the same very limited scope and area. It's a very deep dive into the concept of honesty, but it it was a bit too limiting for me. So I gave it a six. Yeah, I gave it a six as well, but for a different reason. Why'd you give it a six? For a different reason. And I'll explain why. I love the study and the points he's making, but I don't think in his analysis of his studies, he was deep. At all. And this is actually one of the things that you see a lot of people with philosophy backgrounds uh, would mention in the review of this book. Mm. So the study is brilliant. The way he's done it, the conclusion he's making. But the way he explains the conclusion sometimes lacks a little bit of like philosophical depth and um, sometimes even more than a little, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more. In, in the second part, but that made me give a six. So doing some very quick maths, because this is all obviously, we're giving the numbers yeah. off the top of our heads. 7.7 7 out of 10 is my overall score. I just did the maths there. Yeah. And yours is, I would say, 8.3. Yeah, yeah. Sounds right? Brilliant at maths. Can I yeah. get a... 
Very yeah. good, very good maths. How did you rationalize that, by the way? <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> you know, at the beginning, the, the one sentence, I asked you to give a one sentence overview. So yeah. I thought if, if it happens that I have to do the overview, I, I literally copied and pasted one that I found online, which was brilliant. I tried to rewrite it and then I was like, this is just really good. So I copied it and I was going to read it out and then be like, I do have to admit that that wasn't my work. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna actually. In, so, so the second half of the podcast we're calling the epilogue. Yeah, I the think first part we spoke about what a cheater you are. Yeah. Now in the second part, so you were. It's called the epilogue. That's, that's a bit rude. <laughs> so I, you're, I bully you apparently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Right, I'm cool. just being honest. Nice. Um, the epilogue. I think the, the point you mentioned about the depth, um, and 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 about his. Um, I don't know how you. I can't remember what you said just now. The you, lack of philosophical. The, the, yeah, yeah, the philosophical angle. Can you can you delve a little bit uh, deeper on that? Because my so when I read this book, I f- I found the premise to be a, a little bit, or the book overall is a little bit cynical. Yeah. Um, that we all cheat, you know, but we want to look at ourselves as good people, but we still want to benefit from the cheating. It kind of paints a pretty bleak overview of humanity. Yeah. And and the way that human society is structured and that actually if we're just left to our own devices without, you know, understanding ourselves, we're just going to be animals and, and just everyone's just going to cheat a little bit and skim a little bit off the yeah. top. And and you kind of alluded to the fact that he's, his, his, his philosophy, let's say, is, yeah. is, as far as you see it, flawed under a flawed understanding or like not. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put words uh, in your I mean, mouth. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to say flawed because I don't want to come. <clears throat> I don't want to be disrespectful. Yeah. I would say that there's more discussion that can be had. Like some of the experiments, there, there's different ways of explaining explaining them. Like one of the things that, because um, I had this in mind when I was reading the book. Yeah. That, okay, Dan, you are telling us the only reason we're not cheating is that we want to look good and feel good about ourselves, which means that there is no intention inside of actually wanting to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and and so i was very much um uneasy with this right that the the fact that because this is a very significant metaphysical assumption about what a human being is that a human being has no problem with cheating as long as it can convinces itself that i am i'm still a good person it's all about the perception that we care about and well I, I can see why he gets here from from the studies, but there are many other ways of explaining the studies. And I saw that later on after I went and looked at the reviews. I see, yes, some other people, especially those with some backgrounds in, you know, uh, morality, ethical philosophy, etc., they had similar thoughts as well. That the way he explains the, the studies is, is, you know, it's a little bit lacking. Although, again, why I don't call this a flaw for the book, because this is quite common in, in, the, in the scientific world, in the sense that they can't make metaphysical claims. They have to stick to the data. Mm. And usually these things happen. So it's not really, in, in some sense, a, a, a problem for the book. But for a person who wants to read, it's very important to be aware of this because I saw the impact on many people. And if you look at most people who are giving a summary of this, they all start with this line, we are all cheaters. And I'm like, oh, wow. So so the assumption is kind of, it's gone inside people's mind. They didn't manage to, you know, open it up and say, do I believe it? No, they immediately accepted. We yeah. are all cheaters. Well, that's not the case. 
Even if he proved that many people cheat, that's true. A lot of people cheat. But no, you can't go from that to all humanity cheat. In fact, I know many people who wouldn't even in most of those tests end up cheating. Mm. So it's not like that humanity, none of us is immune in these situations. So that's a very important thing. If from a study of a group of people, we cannot make a claim about all of humanity. That's for sure. Right? Um, in the sense that, you know, I, the, the example that usually they give in, in, in philosophy classes is that imagine if they wanted to make an assumption about people's ability to jump. And they said, okay, let's bring 100 people in a study and let's get all of them to jump and be like, okay, humanity, for example, they cannot jump more than one meter, for example. Then you have a football player like Ronaldo who jumps what? I don't know, one meter and something, you know, in that famous yeah, yeah. goal. But you cannot go from a study of even a thousand people like me to make a claim about humanity because then we may have someone like Ronaldo that does something like that, right? The same is with, with, with these kind of things. Even if you bring a thousand people and all thousand of them cheat, doesn't mean that everyone's going to cheat. You may have Ronaldo's of morality too, right? Ronaldo's of morality. Yeah. And in the same way that in football, there are some people who are exceptional. Yeah. In morality, it's the same thing, yeah. right? And some of them, like Messi, it's more natural for them. Some of them, like, like Ronaldo, maybe put even more hard work into becoming more moral. So this is one important thing that we can't go from studies like this to mm. make claims about all of humanity. That's, that's one thing. Um, and, and, and another thing was like even the assumption itself, even among people um, who, who cheat now, let's say the cheaters, the ones who cheat a little bit. Is it really that we don't cheat sometimes because we want to look good ourselves? And it is really the, the dilemma we're in that, oh, I want the benefit of cheating, but I want to look like a good person. Or could it be that a lot of the times the dilemma is that I want to be the good person. I really want to do the good thing, but at the same time, I really want this. It's, it's like there's two parts in us, parts that wants to do the good thing and parts that is really desiring something. So it's, because it's so cynical to say that you don't want to be a good person. You yeah. want to think you're a good person. You know, these are two different things, right? I don't know how you felt when, when you read that about your, when you like, so th this is the thing, like I, wh why I wanted to have, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure I suggested this book in particular because I remember I, I read, I think like half of it, maybe five or six years ago. And I, I put it down because of that, why I gave it six, because I found it a bit repetitive. Yeah. But I do remember that there were loads of interesting things and, and, and loads of reflections and, and, and bits where I could fully relate and understand what he was saying. Yeah. But then at the same time, I, I, it didn't sit right with me from the first sentence this overall um, notion of, of we're all cheaters, essentially, right? Yeah. Because I don't know. And, and this, is, this is where I get confused and why I wanted to do this was because especially when you, when you look at something like this, when you look at a book like this, it's very easy because of the way the guy talks, because of the, the fact that it's all empirical evidence, it's experiments, it's, yeah. it's laid out, the framework, he proves step by step everything yeah. he's saying. As a, as, as a person who's not a scientist or, or someone who's, who's uh, you know, read into all of the philosophy and all this kind of stuff, it's very difficult not to just agree because I need, someone needs to tell me something else that, that sits better with me yeah. for me to be able to look at that. And yeah. I, I wanted to kind of, I'm, I'm going to keep deflecting. You can ask me questions. I'll just keep pushing it back to you. <laughs> 
But you spoke about the kind of metaphysical side. Yeah. And you were saying that, you know, he can't uh, talk about metaphysical evidence. And, and you, you said that there are people who have critiqued this book, philosophers and whatever yeah. else. What is an alternative? If you could, for example, paint an alternative narrative of man contrary to this book i'm not asking you to contradict or i mean yeah. whatever you want to say just say but yeah. how would you present it? let's say someone's just read this book and they just think oh my god i'm, I'm a horrible person I, I cheat everybody cheats the world yeah. is is awful how, how would you look at it differently how do you look at it differently yeah so um i think first of all I'm glad we're having this discussion because I think this is the interesting part for me yeah. that this takes the experience of reading to a whole new level. You know, it's like you, you're you not a passive receiver of a book. Now you, you actually engage. You're in a studio. You've exactly. got screens and everything. It's oof, amazing. Oof, oof, oof. You've got water and whatnot. Avion. <clears throat> yes. So um, how many... How much do we get for every time we mention the name of the... <laughs> well, let's let's get them on board first. If everyone are listening, we are we are interested. Um, Mister, is it Evian or Evian? Producer James? <laughs> huh? Evian. Yeah, we're not doing French pronunciation. It's, it's Evian, it's fine. Evian. <laughs> um, so no, I was saying that it, it's, I actually really think that these type of discussions would be really interesting and it would be really lovely to hear people's thoughts as well. Yeah. So they could write to us, what do they think? How do they think the same studies could be interpreted? And because I really don't want to, one thing I really don't want to do in this podcast is to give my opinion as the truth. It's just one opinion, what comes to my mind yeah. right now. In a week, it may change. You know, we're just trying to start a discussion. Yeah. So I'll try to mention a few other ways in which the same uh, studies could be looked at. And then you tell me the truth after we finish recording, <laughs> right? And then hopefully, uh, at least, you know, because the main thing is, is just being open to yeah. that there's more ways. So <clears throat> I'm not claiming any of this is right, but... Um, one of the things is that um, I really feel like um, some people, yes, they may really want to rationalize and try to feel good about themselves, right? And and I think that is actually um, a, a defense that people have because everyone, I think, at some point... Uh, well, again, um, it may seem a little bit more sure with a lot of everyone, I think. But I'll try to make it a little bit softer. I think people really want to be good, right? But being good is not easy. Being good is very difficult, as this book actually shows. That within us, the power, there's a, there's a will to do the right thing, and that will has a certain amount of power. Sometimes the temptation is stronger than our willpower to be good. So in that case, you... It, it, it's like it becomes very difficult for you to be good, right? It doesn't mean you don't want to be good. It, you want to be good, but you have a willpower which is limited. And when the temptation gets stronger, you're going to fall. And when you fall to a temptation, to a desire, whatnot, it, it creates a very difficult situation for you because you really want to be good. Like it's, I think it's very important for people to be good. That's something really deep. This rationalization is a kind of defense mechanism that we use to rationalize the cheating, to make it seem that we're good people, to avoid the pain of accepting that I've made a mistake. So 
there is a deeper layer for that. It's not that I just want to feel good about myself is what's stopping me from cheating. No, even that has a reason. I try to rationalize and that is a psychological defense I'm using to not face the fact that, oh, I'm not a good person, or at least in this instance, I made a mistake. Why? Because for people, it is very costly to think of themselves, especially for the ego, as, as a person who's made a mistake. Although we'll talk about that. Even, for example, in psychotherapy, one of the things we talk about is that the number of defenses the ego, the psyche comes up with to, to not accept it's made a defense it's made a mistake right one second <laughs> very nice that that sorry I, it, it kind of breaks the flow of what you're saying but uh wow uh, when, you, when you talk about um not wanting to feel the pain of having wronged please continue it, I, I yeah interesting so so see already the picture becomes less cynical mm. the picture is not that i'm either gonna cheat or i'm gonna stop cheating only if it makes me feel bad about myself no the cases i don't cheat is the cases i really want to be a good person and even when i cheat and afterwards try to rationalize it it's not because that's all i care about it's because i it's so difficult for me to come into terms with the fact that now i've done something wrong mm. and this also i think shows why after something like confession cheating goes down and the what the hell effect is reversed because see i feel bad about myself i feel bad about myself the cost of that is too much and after the confession i'm like oh maybe i can start fresh maybe i'm a good person again Right, and that helps me again become strong and and do better. Then I think actually why confession works, or it it can be explained way better with, with this. So now we can take it a little bit deeper as well. Okay, um, there is this cost of accepting that we've made a mistake, especially as he said, in a world in which the systems are set to make cheating so difficult to avoid. Right. So he says, for example, with how financial structures are set mm. in this in the way that there's so much distance between us and, and the consequences of our actions. Right. So he mentions of like stock options where you can tweak something and you don't think like it's going to really hurt people. It's just a number I'm changing on a computer, but it's going to really cost a lot of people. All of this is making it more difficult for our moral willpower to do the right thing. Right. It's like you have a willpower and now the world has gone crazy, like way more difficult to do the right thing. And your willpower is like, what do I do? I'm going to do the wrong thing. I might as well convince myself it wasn't wrong. And this is what most people do. Just on that, <clears throat> I was reading uh, Atomic Habits, which we're yeah. hopefully going to cover in a, in a future episode. And there he talks about triggers, um, you know, for, for our habits and whatever else. And, and it, it's just cause it got me thinking now when you're saying this, that he talks about like the, the, the machines in Vegas, the slot machines. Yeah. People pull them apparently 600 times an hour. Like when someone sat there 600 times, they're pulling that thing, hoping for the best. But I, I also know, and I've read stuff in the past that talks about, you know, the sounds and the sights of these machines mm. are fully engineered to entice us to go again. And so, you know, you talk about us fighting this and, and the exactly. fact that we're in a digital age. And so already when it comes to theft, it's no longer, for example, stealing someone's money on the street out of their pocket, but just online, a few clicks of a button and you you can take hundreds or thousands of, of exactly. pounds. Exactly. 
but but likewise where you know if you know with with something a vice like gambling you've suddenly got like it's being engineered to pull you in exactly and and it's not just gambling the same thing any as maybe one we can talk about that book by Yuan Hari about how social media is bringing the best psychologists to make us addicted mm. to their to their platform the dopamine hit because that, we yeah, yeah. are the customers so what humanity has done especially now is that we are creating a society in which our moral willpower becomes way weaker than the systems around us yeah right and it in fact that's not a bug in some sense it's the, it's the feature of the system now this may take us to a very cynical point wow so are you saying it's like impossible to live ethically in this world because the temptations are and the cheating abilities are getting so much stronger than our willpower in many cases that is actually true it's it's like really difficult it's like swimming against the current to do the right thing although it's still possible but i think now it's interesting to go to a little bit of maybe spirituality which is in spirituality, especially in um, Islamic spirituality, a path of it, a stream of it, this idea has been addressed, and there is this concept even in the in the in the Quran about there are two ways of doing the wrong thing. There's a verse that says there are people who do the wrong thing in the bad way. Alladina asa osu. The the idea is this. Okay, you cheated. There's two ways of cheating. Once, you cheat and say, I'm not happy that I cheated. Another time you cheat and you're like, Maybe there is no morality, there's no right and wrong, there is no God, there is no consequences, mm. right? It says, don't do that. And it says that, it says that the end of those who do that, do the bad thing but do it in a bad way, is that they slowly, slowly stop seeing the signs. Which is very interesting because he was saying that even in this book, he scientifically proved it, that if you start cheating for a while and rationalize it, at some point you stop believing it. So he said people who put fake things on their CV, at some point they thought they have that skill. Right? So that verse in the Quran is saying, dude, I know you're going to be in situations where you'll do the wrong thing. And... Because you think if you do the wrong thing, then you're no longer... This is, by the way, what happens psychologically. As soon as we make a wrong thing, because we're trained by our parents and like people around us, that I only love you if you're, if you're a good boy or if you're a good girl, right? Oh, be a good boy so mommy loves you. This has made the psychologically condition that if I make a mistake, I'm not loved anymore. I'm not worthy anymore. Mm-hmm. So we make a mistake, we rationalize it immediately. Quran says, dude... Your love and worth is not dependent on this action that you do. So if you find yourself in a situation in which you're going to make the same mis- you're going to make a mistake, be honest about it. Be like I did it because I was weak, not I did it because that person did it too and it's okay or because Asan, there is no morality. It's, it's, sorry to cut you up, but it's almost like when when in uh, when in the book he talks about, you know, like uh, the the depletion element. It's like I, I'm not endorsing doing things that you perceive to be morally wrong, but like, it's like, do it, know that you're doing it, and then get back to, to being good again, rather than allowing the what the hell effect to take over, exactly. which is... which is Exactly. And one of the things, maybe in another book we can talk about, yeah. is that a lot of challenges we go in life as well are the result of these defenses that we come up with to convince ourselves we're good people, mm. Right. Because as I said, the, we've been conditioned to think that if I make a mistake, I'm not worthy. 
right? And this is a result of the way we like parenting and schools and whatnot. These defenses at some point in our life really help us. Like if at some point I feel that I'm not worthy, it's going to be very difficult. So I rationalize, no, I'm a good person and that helps me survive into adulthood. But in adulthood, if you don't fix these defenses, if you keep rationalizing, these are all patterns of cognition that really cost you, leads to anxiety, leads to so many things. So Quran says, be honest. The best thing is honesty. You're worthy no matter what. Even if you're making the worst mistake, you're still worthy, you're precious, right? Be honest about it, say I'm weak. And from that point onwards, in fact, in Islam, the journey of spirituality starts. So um, we have this um, supplication, which is very beautiful. It's called the 15 whispered prayers. The first line of it is actually in this situation in which the person says, I am unhappy with the fact that there is a part of me that wants to do these things. Right. And from that point, the person realizes I'm not just that thing that wants to do the bad thing. Mm -hmm. There's another part of me as well. And the fact that there's a part of me that wants to do the bad thing and actually does the bad thing doesn't make me unworthy. I don't need to rationalize it for myself. Right. Because rationalization is such a psychologically heavy, heavy thing to do. There's so much cost to it. You're OK with it. Like, you know what? I'm just not happy that I'm doing this bad thing, but that doesn't reduce my worth. This is the human condition. And from that point, you slowly, slowly, the other part becomes stronger. Yeah. And it makes it easier not to do that thing. So, yes. I, I can't follow anything you've just said. There's nowhere for me to go. This is like, as in, what am I supposed to add? There's we no value. We hope you enjoyed the Thank podcast. you very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, okay, no, I, I mean, that, that like, th this is this is what I thank you like that, that I think no. for me that's that's what I want to like that's what I want to hear after every book like just have a, a, a bit of a, a different perspective and dimension when we kind of are approaching these things um, we also wanted to kind of I think end with one takeaway each so I'll go I mean I don't know how I'm going to follow all of this talk of spirituality and Quran and yeah. uh, okay I'll try um, so I think the one thing that I took away from it was was this this notion of depletion, identifying when we are depleted. And and there's one experiment, I don't think we've mentioned it, but this cognitive load thing where, where again, he got people to do the same matrix experiment. One person had to remember a string of seven or eight numbers mentally in their head for like an hour whilst doing a different task. Another person had to remember the number five, for example. And then when you come to the matrix test, you're so drained by trying to remember that number that it's like your inhibitions have been lowered. And now you're like, oh, you know, whatever, I, I, I'm just going to cheat. So identifying your depletion and, and analyzing your decision making, I think, is a, is a key one. So for me, after reading this book, every time that I think there's like an element of potential dishonesty or there is actual dishonesty that I, I, I enact, I start trying to trace back my steps and be like, OK, I, why, why did I do this? Have I... Am I tired? Maybe like, you know, I, I, I had a rough night's sleep or I, whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah. And I think really, really trying to be honest with yourself. Um, also, this, this, this notion of, of money and, and removing ourselves from money and, mm. and thinking about, um, you know, how easy it is to, to essentially cheat. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I, I think it just put me on edge a little bit in a good way, being able to like actually critically analyze and look at myself constantly um and 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 assess what i'm doing and 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 i think understanding that we're constantly in a state of flux so we're always up and down there's always going to be changes in our mood yeah. and whatever and that is going to impact our behavior that's something i didn't always think about because i thought okay i'm 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 salim i'm this person i'm consistent yeah stuff happens whatever but actually 
our actions are, and our thoughts and our behaviors are heavily impacted by the, the context or by the condition that we're in or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. That was my takeaway. Now yeah. you got to beat that. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> but I'll, I'll segue from the last thing you said yeah. that our context really affects our behavior. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I really liked the, you know, the moral reminder thing mm. because that study showed something which... Um, it's so good now to have scientific proof for it as well. Yeah. That action is impacted by what comes before it, right? So it's not like at that moment I can make myself cheat less at the moment of action. But prior to that, I can add things to myself that when I'm at that moment, I will be, you know, I will be stronger and cheat mm -hmm. less. And these kind of pre-action works. Well, in this, for example, he talks about uh, remembering the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. Well, that's one example of it. I genuinely think um, knowledge comes prior to action. There are certain things that we can do that then it will impact all of our actions. In spirituality, they say connection to, to that, you know, the, the greater reality that transcends us. That will be kind of like this moral reminder, but it wouldn't just help in one aspect. It will that knowledge will impact all of our actions. So it's not that when they were, for example, being remembered of the Ten Commandments, in their head was like, oh, after this, I'm going to be doing a test and this will help me cheat less. No, they just did it and then they faced that action and they were better in it. Mm. But if they were going to a different action as well, they would have been better then. And it's one thing that comes inside you and in different situations makes you act better. And the chances are, after being reminded a lot, we should do this study too, of the Ten Commandments, if you're with your wife or if you're with child or your husband or your family, you're going to act better. There's less chance of you, for example, hurting them or maybe cheating on your partner, right? So this one thing comes inside you and just makes you act much better in so many ways. And so that's my takeaway um well thank you very much thank i think you. this went well would you reckon well i hope we, people we do this again i enjoyed it i think so yeah. one more episode at well, least. Let, let's go one episode <laughs> at a time so next the, the, the next book that we're going to look at is uh the righteous mind so why good people are divided by religion and politics by jonathan height mm. um it's pronounced height like height but it's h-a-i-d-t i, -I, -D -T. I had yeah. to google that because i had <laughs> no clue how to pronounce his name but that's the whole title. So The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics. Very interesting book. Very interesting book. Very long book. But very interesting book. Very long Don't book. Don't say it's long okay, no, now. it's amazing. <laughs> this is where we're trying to hook we're them. We're trying to sell it. No, it, it was a very fascinating book. But anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that next time. Um... That's it. That's it for, for the... F we don't have like an official sign-off. Do you want to like say some words? Go. Official sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well thank you guys for, for you listening so and, and we'll be back again soon yes thank you so much let your friends know